Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is The Gingerbread Man told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. It was very early in the morning, very, very early, so early that it was still dark, and because it was dark and it was winter, it was also very, very cold. Nanny Piggins and the children should have been at home, tucked up in their nice, warm beds, dreaming about whatever hot-baked treats they would have been having for breakfast. Perhaps chocolate chip pancakes, or cinnamon buns, or chocolate chip pancakes and cinnamon buns. But they were not doing this because they were sitting in the freezing cold inside Mr Green's car, parked outside their local chocolate shop. The shop did not open until 9am, so there was absolutely no reason for them to be there so early. No sane reason. But Nanny Piggins had an insane reason. The chocolate shop had run out of chocolate-covered caramels earlier in the week, largely because Nanny Piggins had been in there and eaten them all. She now had endured three whole days without them, and she was not good at enduring. When Nanny Piggins endured, it was a dramatic process that involved a lot of sighing, a lot of complaining, and a certain amount of wrestling if she suspected the chocolate shop owner was holding out on her. But Mr Bellamy had promised Nanny Piggins that he would be expecting a new shipment first thing on Friday morning. And it was Friday morning, which was why it was only 4.45am and Nanny Piggins was sitting outside the front door of the shop waiting for the close sign to be flipped to open. You know, said Derek, I'm pretty sure if we went home, went back to sleep for four hours and came back here, we'd still be back in time for the nine o'clock opening. But by then there'd be a massive line of desperate chocolate lovers wrapped around the block, said Nanny Piggins. Are there that many chocolate lovers who are really that desperate, asked Samantha. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. I know walking about the city day to day you come across any number of deeply silly and ridiculous nincompoops, but there's still a lot of deeply sensible people out there too, and any sensible person must love chocolate. So how could they not be here first thing on the first day that the chocolate shop has cobbers again? Coppers is what Nanny Piggins called chocolate-covered caramels. The children were finding it difficult to follow this logic, although, to be fair, it was painfully early in the morning, so they would have found it hard to find logic even if it was logical. And Nanny Piggins' logic definitely was not logical. "'What are we going to do while we wait?' asked Michael. "'We could wrestle,' said Nanny Piggins. "'It just so happens that I do have my hot pink wrestling leotard on beneath my dressing gown.' They were all still wearing the pyjamas and nightwear." Maybe not, said Samantha. Nanny Piggins was a very enthusiastic wrestler who had invented several wrestling moves herself. Samantha did not want to be held in a triple trotter lock before she'd had any breakfast. Why don't you tell us a story, suggested Derek. He thought this was a safer option. Last time Nanny Piggins had demonstrated a wrestling move in the car, it had cost a fortune getting the upholstery repaired. 
All right, said Nanny Piggins. It's probably best that I tell you a story to take my mind off things. It's easy for you because you're just human, but I'm a pig with a sense of smell several thousand times greater than your own, so it's incredibly hard for me to sit here right outside a chocolate shop without leaping out, smashing the shop window and guzzling all the delicious smelling chocolate I can find. You're very brave, Nanny Piggins, said Michael. I know, said Nanny Piggins. Actually, my terrible hunger reminds me of a story of my great-great-great cousin, Marge. Did she break into a chocolate shop, asked Samantha. No, she was a peasant in the olden story days, said Nanny Piggins. She and her husband lived off a small plot of land. They were so very, very poor, they were forced to eat. (sniffs) Nanny Piggins stopped speaking while she struggled to contain her emotions. Oh, those poor pigs. They were forced to eat vegetables. Oh, said Derek. Now, Derek knew that there was actually nothing terrible about eating vegetables. Under right conditions, they could, in fact, taste lovely, especially if they had been baked in fat and covered in liberal amounts of salt. But Derek was sensitive enough to understand that his nanny did not see things that way, and this moment called for sympathy rather than accuracy. Oh, dear, said Derek. That's terrible. Nanny Piggins sobbed. Oh, when I think of all they had to endure. Carrots, celery, cabbages. Nanny Piggins broke down and wept a little at this point. It was such a brutally hard life. One day, they had had a particularly bad wheat crop. When it was all milled up, it only made up one cup of flour. Now what can you make with just one cup of flour? The children didn't answer. They knew this was a rhetorical question. Nanny Piggins was a maestro of baking. If anyone knew exactly what you could make with one cup of flour, it was her. It's not enough for a cake. They didn't have any eggs anyway, so they wouldn't be able to make a cupcake even. They could have made bread, suggested Michael. Michael Green, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. How dare you? She was a Piggins. She may have been achingly poor and starving, but she still had standards. She would never bake bread. Not when she could combine it with butter and sugar and make a cookie. A cookie, said Samantha. Yes, and with one cup of flour, you can actually make quite a large cookie, said Nanny Piggins. And Marge had a bit of an artistic streak. She wasn't content with making a boring old round cookie. Besides, she did still have a teaspoon of powdered ginger in her spice rack. So she decided to make a gingerbread man. Yum, said Michael. He particularly liked gingerbread men. Apart from being delicious, there was something fun about eating their legs and arms off. Precisely, said Nanny Piggins. Yum indeed. So Marge set to work mixing the ingredients. She was so hungry it was a chore not just to break down and eat the dough. But her husband had been working hard in the fields that day and she wanted to surprise him with a treat when he came in. She shaped the gingerbread dough into the shape of a man, gave it raisins for eyes, peel for mouth and more raisins for the buttons down his front. Obviously her husband would never eat those because they were fruit and therefore disgusting. But they did make it look festive, so she popped it on a baking tray and put it in the oven for 25 minutes at a moderate temperature. 23 minutes later, her husband was just coming back from the field. "'What's that heavenly smell?' he asked. "'Is that you, my dear? Are you wearing a new perfume?' He was quite the silver-tongued devil. Marge just laughed, which is the best way to respond to all men when they say such ridiculous things. That or stomping on their foot, whichever you think is more appropriate in the moment." Oh, no, said Marge. I've baked you a treat. I've baked you a gingerbread man. Oh, my goodness, said her husband. That is a wonderful surprise. I haven't eaten gingerbread in years. Not since the great gingerbread Zeppelin crash a decade ago. 
Samantha, remind me, that's another story I must tell you. The story of the time a great massive hot air balloon loaded with cookies crashed into the forest. Jot that down, I'll tell it to you another time. She did write it down dutifully. I'll just fetch the gingerbread man from the oven, said Marge. She picked up her oven gloves and opened the oven door. The divine smell grew even stronger as a waft of warm air billowed out into the room. Marge was just reaching in to extract the tray when suddenly the gingerbread man jumped out. No way, exclaimed Michael. Now Michael was seven years old, so he had been to preschool and proper school and he had heard the story of the gingerbread man many, many times. But even so, it is always shocking to hear tell of a snack coming to life. Hello, said Marge. Hello, said the gingerbread man. Are you going to adopt me and raise me as your son? Well, no, said Marge. I think you're getting us confused with the story of Pinocchio. We were just going to eat you. What? All of me, asked the gingerbread man. Well, we're pretty hungry, said Marge, so yes. We'll leave your head to last if you like, said her husband, unless you wanted us to eat it first. I think we should eat it first, said Marge. I don't want to have a conversation with his head while I'm eating his legs. Well, I don't want to be eaten or have a chat, said the gingerbread man. I'm out of here. And with that, he took off sprinting out of the kitchen and down the garden path. Hey, come back here. We're hungry, called Marge. But the gingerbread man had the taste of freedom now. He could feel the wind in his raisins and the sun on his crust. He was having fun. He called back to her without slowing down for a second. Run, run, as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. At this point, Nanny Piggin stopped talking, snuggled down under her doona and closed her eyes. Good night, children. Hey, wait, said Derek. You can't stop there. It's just getting good. What do you mean I can't stop there, asked Nanny Piggins. I've just told you an amazing story of a baked treat coming to life, having a conversation with his creator, and then demonstrating elite level athleticism, and you want more. But how did it end, asked Michael. Didn't Marge chase after him? I beg your pardon, said Nanny Piggins. Marge was a Piggins. Pigginses do not run. You run all the time, Samantha reminded her, when you're chasing the ice cream van or trying to get to Hans' bakery before he closes. Pish, said Nanny Piggins, that's different. That's when there's a desperate medical crisis. How is getting ice cream a desperate medical crisis, asked Derek. The ice cream man would have a desperate medical crisis if he didn't stop and sell me some, said Nanny Piggins. The children nodded. They believe this to be true. Now, he might have been a gingerbread man, he might have been delicious, and they may be hungry, said Nanny Piggins, but there was no way they were going to be tricked into taking exercise. Certainly not cardiovascular exercise, which is always the most unpleasant type of all. It involves so much panting and sweating. How could they have enjoyed eating anything if they were forced to endure that first? So the gingerbread man ran off down the road with no one giving chase, until he came to a jaguar. A jaguar, said Michael. You mean like the big cat from Africa? What was a jaguar doing in farming peasant land in the olden story days? I don't know, said Nanny Piggins. I didn't ask. I suppose he was on holiday. Perhaps he liked to paint watercolour pictures of idealistic rural settings. It's really none of our business what jaguars choose to get up to in their leisure time. But the jaguar was there. It was around morning tea time. He was feeling peckish, just as he looked up and saw a gingerbread man running towards him. Of course, at first he assumed that he'd just gone bonkers, perhaps from too much time in the sun and he was seeing things. But the gingerbread man kept coming closer and soon he could smell him and hear him chanting, Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but jaguars are actually very fast at running. So when he heard this, the jaguar thought, 
I bet I can. He sprang to his feet and leapt after the gingerbread man, sprinting as fast as he could. He raced down the country lane at lightning pace. But do you know what? He couldn't do it. The gingerbread man just laughed and ran faster and faster. The jaguar tried running faster and faster too, but he couldn't keep up. The gingerbread man was too fast. So the jaguar collapsed in a ditch and the gingerbread man kept running. And that was it, asked Derek. The gingerbread man got away. Well, no, said Nanny Piggins. It just so happens that on that very morning, an Olympic marathon was being held in the neighbourhood. The Olympics were being held just down the road, asked Michael. I know, it's quite a coincidence, isn't it, said Nanny Piggins. All the roads were blocked off to cars and pedestrians were lined either side of the street, just as all the best runners in the entire world ran down through the village towards them. They were expecting the lead runner to be from Kenya or perhaps Ethiopia or maybe Japan. The world's best runners often come from those parts of the world. So they were astonished to see, leading the pack, a 10-inch high baked gingerbread biscuit. And the other runners weren't going slowly. They'd been running for two hours already, so they were ravenously hungry. They would have all dearly liked a bite of the gingerbread man and they were chasing after him as fast as they could. But the gingerbread man was taunting them. Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. And he was entirely right. The best runners in the world, running as fast as they possibly could, could not catch the gingerbread man. He raced off into the distance, leaving them in his wake. And then he got away and lived happily ever after, asked Samantha. Well, no, said Nanny Piggins. Eventually, the gingerbread man ran out of road. The road came to a river. It had rained a lot recently, and the river was too deep for the gingerbread man to wade across. And being made of absorbent biscuit, he couldn't swim because he would have dissolved. He had no way of crossing. And while he had outrun Marge, the Jaguar, and all the Olympic runners in the marathon, he knew they could not be far behind, and he needed to get across. That is when he spotted a fox asleep on the riverbank. Oh dear, said Michael. Experience had taught him that stories never go well once a fox enters the action. Excuse me, Mr Fox, said the gingerbread man, because he could be polite when he wanted something. Could you please swim me across the river? Now, the fox was not a fool and he loved to eat things, particularly things that he wasn't supposed to, said Nanny Piggins. So naturally, he said, why, of course, climb on my back and I will swim you across the river. You do promise not to eat me, asked the gingerbread man. Oh, absolutely, said the fox. You can trust me. You can always trust a fox. Which, of course, is a huge lie. You can never trust a fox, particularly if you're a chicken. Being delicious is such a burden. So the gingerbread man stepped forward and was just about to swing his leg over the fox's back when... The fox spun around and ate him, guessed Michael. No, said Nanny Piggins. He never got a chance. At that exact moment, they heard the deafening roar of a motorbike engine. The gingerbread man looked up to see Marge fly over the hill on her Triumph motorbike, skid to a halt right next to them and snatch up the gingerbread man in her hand. You can run faster than me and a Jaguar and a whole pack of Olympic marathon runners, but you can't outrun a 240 horsepower engine. And what did the gingerbread man say, asked Samantha. Nothing, said Nanny Pickens. He didn't get a chance because Marge bit his head off. And let that be a lesson to you, children. Never make your lunch into an animate bean. It only leads to exercise, which will never help digestion. The end. Oh, look, the chocolate shop is open. Let's go. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening. To support this podcast, just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from, from across the Nanny Piggins series, the Friday Barnes Girl Detective books, or the Pesky Kids. Uh, You can order them through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the Book Depository banner. They've got all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.